Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. What's that, what's that post on the wall behind you, by the way? Oh, that was uh, me and Helga went to a gig last year. Oh, okay. Some Swedish band and they gave us fucking like, free posters and t-shirts and they like, <laughs> spread the word. So I'm like, well, yeah, it's, it's not a video podcast, but well, yeah. What, I don't you know. what are they called? Give them a shout out. Night Rage. Night Rage. That yeah. sounds... Um... Did you just have to look at the poster to check? <laughs> yeah, well, no, I didn't. I don't know why I did. It was just like instinct, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, Night Rage is where it's at. If you're into your uh, Swedish heavy metal, that is, yeah. If you're into your Swedish heavy metal, I mean, who isn't, basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm Dan Burke. I'm joined today by Lewis Ambrose. Hello. Padraig Whelan. Hello. And Alejandro Diago. Hello. Um, we're going to start with a bit of breaking news this morning. Uh, Chelsea have signed Timo Werner from RB Leipzig in a deal worth €50 million. Euros. Lewis, how big a signing is this for Chelsea? And, and for those of us uh, who might not have seen that much of him, what sort of player are Chelsea going to be getting? Uh, I think it's massive, to be honest. Um, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that Chelsea desperately needed to sign a striker or, or to sign Timo Werner in particular. I think Tammy Abraham's had a pretty good season, first season playing regularly in the Premier League. But it's definitely, they've definitely strengthened. There's a reason that Liverpool were interested in Timo Werner, and you think there are there can't be many players out there right now that would make Liverpool look much better. So the fact that Chelsea have sort of beaten Liverpool to to his signature tells you a lot already. I think at 26 goals in the Bundesliga so far this season, it's his best ever season playing for Leipzig. He's the last few years probably been more known as a kind of poacher, nippy, getting behind striker. He's got blistering pace. He's a good finisher. Um, but actually this year with Julian Nagelsmann in charge, he's improved his all-round play quite a lot as well. So I think it's it's a massive signing. And Chelsea will definitely, definitely be a lot stronger going forward next season with him up front. Well, they've got Hakim Ziyech as well. Do you think that's enough for them to be title challengers next season, maybe, with those two signings? Not as long as Kepa's still in goal. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but it's, they're definitely moving in the right direction. I think you, in the Premier League now, we've seen over the last couple of seasons, it's there's a quite a clear top two, something that we've probably not had since the days of Arsenal and Man United battling it out every season for the league. There's With Liverpool and City, you've got quite a clear top two now. And I'd say that those two signings really push Chelsea to being, by some distance, the third team. Yeah, though, I mean, they've been linked with Ben Chilwell as well uh, from Leicester. Dean Henderson is one from Sheffield United that's sort of going around here. Had a good game. Of course, the Premier League is back now. It came back on uh, a Wednesday evening after 100 days without it. I want to know, Lewis, how you feel now the Premier League is back in our lives. Did you miss it while it was away? Yeah, as an Arsenal fan, I missed it until about 8.15 <laughs> yesterday. Um, <laughs> I, well, it's obviously, it's massive. It's a massive part of all of our lives, isn't it? Watching the games every weekend, whether it's some big game or whether it's your club I think we've all missed it in some way um, and now we're probably not going to have a break from football for the next God knows how many months where yeah. they catch up this season play the Euros next summer um, so I don't I think yeah before long we'll, we'll be sick to the teeth of it again yeah. sick to the back teeth of it I think it's 36 games in these first 12 days of the Premier League something like that it's not bad is um, it yeah. but I think we definitely all missed it a bit didn't we yeah, I mean, the, the sort of first game back, Sheffield United, Aston Villa, we'll come on to it in a bit, but it wasn't a great game. I do wonder if they sort of missed the trick by picking that as the first game back. But it, it felt weird to me. I didn't like, 
have that same sense of like anticipation that you get with a new season. You know, it's the longest, it's a longer break than a, pre, a normal pre-season would be. But for me, it just felt like, I don't know, I wasn't really like desperate for it to come back in the way that you are when, you know, there's all yeah. summer signings going on and all that sort of things. I guess, I guess that's part of it is the signings and new managers and stuff. But also we just sort of, in terms of the title race anyway, we know how this season's going to end, right? Like, the relegation battle is important. The place, the Champions League places are important, but ultimately we all watch it every year to see who wins. And mm. now we've just got ten games where we already know the end result. So it's just sort of playing it because we have to get all those other things figured out rather than the big drama that we all actually tune in for. Yeah, I um I thought I'd kind of got used to the no fans thing as well. Um, having watched you know the Bundesliga, La Liga, and stuff like that in recent weeks, but seeing it in the Premier League was like experience the weirdness for like all for, you know all over again for me. It was it was kind of I don't know. It just felt really jarring to see a Premier League game like that. Did you watch the game with the crowd noise turned on? No, I find the crowd noise really distracting. <laughs> um, I've seen like loads of split opinions on this. Some people saying they can't stand it, and some people saying they can't watch it without because it just looks like a training session mm. to them. Um, I'm I'm more much more in the camp that I can't stand it. <laughs> it feels really really weird to me to see empty stands, but then hear people cheering anyway. Yeah. On the on the Sky German feed last night, like I, I don't know if it's I think it's just the same crowd noise everywhere, but it really seemed like um, the, I, I turned it on for a few minutes just to listen in. And it felt like the volume never changed. Like when Sterling scored, it felt like the the volume was exactly the same. It just went from chanting to cheering, mm. which is a bit, well, not intuitive, shall we say. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I couldn't. the feed I was watching didn't have the option to put the crowd noise on, but I saw someone on Twitter saying that I think when um, Henderson made a save for Sheffield United, it sort of like made a big cheer sound that you wouldn't hear the home team make if the away <laughs> goalkeeper just made a save. So it's obviously not uh, not perfect, is it? Uh, one of the things I noticed about the Premier League uh, return, which I, which I think made the football a whole lot more relatable, was that all the players have got rubbish hair now. I quite, <laughs> I quite enjoyed that. And speaking of rubbish hair, um, we, we've got to talk about David Lees without without swearing. Can you can you sum up how he made you feel last night? Um, empty, <laughs> empty, hopeless. Um, you know, the first couple of weeks of all being locked in our own apartments and not being able to go out and see your friends, him that it was sort of that feeling, yeah. but on a football pitch. <laughs> I mean, for those who didn't see it, he came off the bench in the 24th minute. He was at fault for the first goal. He gave away a penalty, got sent off in the 50th minute. You have to say that's actually quite impressive, really, don't you? Yeah, the unwanted hat-trick. <laughs> yeah, what was it, 26 minutes he was on the pitch? Something uh, like that. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, all he's messing was an own goal. The, yeah, the <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure if the, I'm sure if he'd only been booked for that penalty, then he'd have found time for that as well. <laughs> I mean, speaking of that booking, was that a bit harsh? I mean, I thought that the sort of double jeopardy rule meant that they didn't that didn't happen anymore. Basically, that players um, would only get a yellow card for that instance. I think I think the rule is they only get a yellow card if they make the foul while trying to get the ball and obviously like holding someone back it's not like he was trying to get the ball but mm. I thought it was a bit harsh as well I don't like Mahrez is in a pretty good position but it's not like he's all but guaranteed a goal from mm. there I think there were a couple of other defenders not too far away as well Yeah, I think I think the camera even missed it as well so I don't think the 
the producers expected him to be showing a red <laughs> card because suddenly the camera had flashed away and then he was walking off. The yeah, pitch. that's why I, I was confused about that because I saw him walking off and I was like, "What? He's been sent off? I wasn't uh, wasn't expecting that." Yeah, but maybe you know it would have been uh, it was a bit of a blessing to get, get him off the pitch for Arsenal. Honestly, I think, I think Man City. Yeah, I think Man City eased up a bit as well with the two goal lead, knowing they were only playing ten men and there wasn't really any danger of the game getting out of hand for them. Um, mm. <laughs> well, I think you do think if David Luiz had still been on the pitch and it was eleven v eleven, City had maybe not took their foot off the pedal and it could have got a bit uglier. Mm. What's the situation with David Luiz exactly? Is what's with his future? Do you want him to stay at Arsenal? Um, do I want him to stay at Arsenal? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I'm not entirely you, sure that I want him to leave either. Do you need him to stay? Is that is that? Well, the yeah, I think there? that I think that might be the problem. Um, I mean, Socrates has had a bad season. Shkodran Mustafi is well. Everybody knows about Shkodran Mustafi mm. by now, um, and the club, especially in this current situation, can't exactly go and buy three new defenders in the summer. So, should David Luiz start for Arsenal next season? Maybe not. Um, do have Saliba coming in though, don't they? Yeah, like, so that's one. In the summer. Um, yes. But yeah, should he be starting games for Arsenal? Probably not. But are Arsenal in a position to go and sign a third or fourth choice centre back that would be better than him? Probably not as well. Um, and he's like generally been quite good since Arteta came in. He just these big games. It's, it's like he's so exposed when Arsenal don't have the ball, mm. um, which obviously most games you'd expect Arsenal to have more of the ball. He's given away penalties at Stamford Bridge, the Etihad and Anfield this year. It's, it's just completely exposed whenever Arsenal are playing against a decent team. Mm. And it's costly. So when is his contract actually up? Uh, his contract's up at the end of this season. Right. But the club have an option for another year, um, which I think before all of this they were just expected to take. And now whether or not they want to spend 100 grand a week on David Luiz for another year, given the amount of money they've lost, over the last few months uh, remains to be seen. Yeah. I, I would suggest they probably don't. So what happened with Mesut Ozo last night then? He wasn't even in the squad. Uh, Arteta said he was going to explain it after the game but then didn't really explain it if I'm right in thinking. Yeah, he, he just said he was out. He wasn't selected for tactical reasons. Yeah, um, yeah nine subs and Mesut Ozil still doesn't get on the bench is quite a concern. I yeah. think when you consider how much money Arsenal are paying him. Yeah, there was talk yesterday about um, a conference call recently. The Premier League will organise conference calls with all the clubs to explain the sort of the, the new rules the, that they have to follow for for hygiene reasons, for health reasons. Mm. Now that they've come back amid this whole coronavirus thing, and there, yeah, there were reports yesterday that a, a couple of players kind of told Arteta like, "Oh, I can't make it then," like when the call was. Um, which he didn't take too kindly to. Um, I don't know if we can maybe speculate that Mesut Ozil might have been one of those players. I don't think it's the wildest reach to to suggest maybe he was one of those players and mm. then he wasn't in the squad yesterday. We'll see. Maybe he's, maybe he's back in the squad on Saturday against Brighton. I, but it's not like... I think Arsenal have suffered a lot of heavy away defeats with Mesut Ozil in the team and then he kind of gets scapegoated as someone who doesn't work hard enough. But you see yesterday... When he's not in the team, well, Arsenal are still completely wide open and don't create any chances. So it's not like it's it's all on his shoulders. He he wouldn't have changed the game yesterday, but 
the tactical reasons. You have to question what those actually are when you see the performance in the end. Mm. I was thinking about Arsenal last night. I mean, it's it's you know, you, someone of, of your generation has been growing up on Arsenal, winning titles and all that sort of thing. And then you know, it came to the end of the Wenger reign, and there was always talk about it being sort of problematic for Wenger to still be there. You know, there was all the Wenger out campaigns. You got Unai Emery, which was obviously a bad move in the end. Now you've got Arteta, but it just seems like you're getting further and further away from being sort of challenging for titles again. I don't mean to rub it in or anything, but, <laughs> but how, how far away do you think Arsenal are from, from this situation? Do you think the situation right. is quite dire in terms of them being able to, to challenge for a title again? I can't, I can't imagine a scenario that sees Arsenal challenging for a title within the next five or six years, uh, as much as it pains me to say it. Um, you, we'd all love the club to do brilliant things and figure it all out. We'd all love Arteta to have an incredible impact. Um, people would probably mention like Klopp at Liverpool or Guardiola at Barcelona, but the chances of those things happening are pretty slim to, to that level. Mm. And even if they do, Klopp at Liverpool was the, the club of sold brilliantly, the likes of Coutinho, Suarez before Klopp arrived, Raheem Sterling as well. And then they've spent that money brilliantly. Mm. Right now, you look at this Arsenal squad and you think there's not a single player there that they could probably sell for really big money to to revamp the squad. And even if they did, would you trust them to spend that money intelligently yeah. and go in the way that Liverpool went and got Salah, Mane and Firmino for relatively modest sums? Um, yeah, I don't see Arsenal having the money to compete or the know-how in mm. the next five or six seasons. No, me neither. But Arteta, I mean, you've been pretty impressed with him so far, generally speaking. Yeah, I, I think things, there are, the results are a little bit better. The signs, it, it's. I think it's just one of those things that you can kind of feel on the pitch. You can feel in the stadium as well when we were allowed to go to stadiums. Um, there is a different kind of mood around the whole club. Mm. I think that kind of comes across most of the time when they've been playing as well. If you go back to February and March, they've started to get in a real run. And But I think the fact that the results haven't really changed, even though those things have changed, it's just illustrated how far Arsenal have to go, how much work needs to be done. Mm. Well, in the early game in the Premier League on Wednesday, Aston Villa drew 0-0 with Sheffield United, but that shouldn't have been the case. Uh, just before half-time, Villa goalkeeper Oyan Nyland fumbled across... Um, quite clearly carried the ball into his own net. In fact, he was hugging the ball behind the post at one point, I think. Um, the, the goal line technology didn't seem to work, didn't pick it up. Do, do, you, know, do you know what happened there, Patrick? Why wasn't the VAR involved? Or I think Sky back in England had an explanation. Was it at half-time or after the game that basically when the referee got back into the dressing room at half-time, apparently his watch went off then. <laughs> well, he's in the dressing room at half time. His watch has notified him. Oh, there's a goal, and then obviously the technology company Hawkeye after the game released a statement saying that they just like they held their hands up, said we got it wrong, but we don't really know why. We don't have an explanation why it why it didn't work. And they said they've used it in like nine thousand games in different leagues across the world, and this is the first time it's happened. So, I mean. We thought that was the one piece of technology in the Premier League that we could rely on, didn't we? I mean, VAR gets it's a hell of a bad time, and then even when that's not really at fault, although I do, I do wonder why they couldn't have used VAR to go back and and award that yeah, goal exactly, and just yeah. say, well, Hawkeye or the even the linesman or the referees made a mistake. Why can't we use VAR to 
to rectify that mistake. I don't really don't really get that one. I mean, I'm sure they could have, but yeah, like it wasn't very reassuring that they were like nine thousand games. It's never happened before, and then. <laughs> Like in this massive game where Sheffield United are going for Europe, and like that could be a point that maybe keeps Villa in the Premier League mm. come the end of it. And so, um, I did see some calls as well, Dan. About the, um, do you remember Villa were involved in the thing with Leeds last season where they they got the goal and then oh yeah they ended up Bielsa let them score and people were trying to make the case that oh well you know how it feels Villa maybe you <laughs> should uh, maybe you should go go and let Sheffield United score like at the start of the second half but uh, no such luck when you're in a relegation battle I don't think that would be the wisest thing that's a very good point I mean yeah I don't understand why the VAR couldn't get involved either I mean you almost think <laughs> there's probably grounds for the game to re- be replayed there given that it was yeah. it was obviously a goal like you don't yeah. often see it where it's so obviously a goal I mean clear and obvious Wrong decision is what a VAR is supposed to step in to yeah. uh, to solve, isn't it? But very strange. Um, but there's, there's plenty more Premier League game coming up this weekend. Uh, a couple of games on Friday night. Firstly, Norwich play Southampton. Patrick, you're tipping Norwich to somehow avoid relegation this season. Is that right? Yeah, it is right, but no, I deeply regret it now, <laughs> obviously. Um, yeah, that was just, I think we had to pick one shock thing to happen. I think, like, I wouldn't, I, I don't, I think it is obviously it's really difficult for them. But I do think like Norwich have been a lot better this season than their results maybe have shown. And you know, they've they have picked up some big results in games like they obviously they beat Man City at home, they've beat Leicester at home, like they've they have shown that they can pick up like big results when they need it and they've just at other times I think when Pookie kinda went off the boil a bit, obviously he started the season and just couldn't stop him scoring. Then mm. when he kinda stopped scoring, Norwich really struggled. But they've some really good like players in that in that squad they've managed to keep a hold of some like Duda and guys that were maybe supposed to leave at the end of June or kind of agreed deals to stay on I mean I know it's like really difficult for them and the chances of them picking up more points than the clubs above them doing likewise is probably slim but I mean if they can get a bit of form going I really do think that that team are they really are a lot better than than they've shown mm. I can't see that, to be honest. I could see no. Brighton getting sucked into the relegation because they seem fairly safe at the moment. But now I've got a feeling about Brighton that they might just struggle with this new sort of period of, of play. Um, Sorry, they play they play Arsenal on Saturday. They'll be fine. Oh, that's an easy, <laughs> easy three points, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's also Tottenham v Man United on Friday night. United were in excellent form before the break. Can you see them picking up where they left off, Lewis? Yeah, I think so. I think... Um, United, United is weird, aren't they? Like, it really feels like they could go either way. They could go and win seven or eight games in a row, or they could not win one more game for the rest of the season because things just go wrong. But they were definitely a bit better with Bruno Fernandes coming in in sort of February when he started to to play regularly. They look better then. They've got Pogba back now, so he'll be able to to link up with him. Rashford's fit again. Uh, <laughs> On, like we've talked so much about Solskjaer and if he's doing a good job and if he should be the Man United manager, if he can't get it right now, with all of them mm. players fit, with all of them back, the Champions League's there for the taking, really. Um, I, I think Leicester and Chelsea, one of them will probably slip up. And I think if United, United are sort of in the best position of any team to, to take control of that situation... We'll see. Um, I'm not saying they have to qualify for the Champions League, but you'd expect them now, if 
if Solskjaer doesn't start getting it right now with all the players available, then he probably shouldn't be in that job anymore. Mm. Well, I suppose you could say the same about Jose Mourinho, right? Who's you know got a decent <laughs> squad at Spurs. He had this big injury crisis before the before the break, and now they've got a fully fit squad to choose from by the looks of things. Can you see them possibly making a late surge for top four? Is this going to be the making of Jose, the, the sort of late era Jose Mourinho? It could be, but we've said it so many times, haven't we? Oh, now Mourinho's going to be back. Now Mourinho, oh, yeah, this time he'll know. I, I just don't see it. Mm. Even if Spurs end the season strongly, I just don't see Mourinho ever being the right choice for, for them or for any club with big ambitions anymore. To yeah, be honest. yeah. Well, it's going to be very interesting end of the season. Um, obviously, we, we touched on it earlier. Liverpool have already won the league. They can't win the league this weekend at Everton away, though. Um, you know, the Merseyside derby. It's called a derby match, but with no fans there in an empty stadium, is it technically a derby? Do you know what I mean by that? It's sort of yeah. it's defined yeah. by people being there, isn't it? It's not otherwise. It's yeah. just it can't be. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's just two sets of players playing against each other that probably go out on nights out together in Liverpool and probably quite friendly with each other. They don't. I don't. They've got no animosity with each other. Like, yeah, I think, I think you've seen it before with like games in Germany and like Italy and stuff where like away fans haven't travelled to derby games and even then you'd be hard pushed. To say that does it really feel like a derby, let alone like no fans at all? Mm. Yeah, I mean a derby's an event, isn't it? Like it's it's the atmosphere, it's the way that a crunching tackle gets celebrated as much as a goal because you start sticking it to the opponent, and without that, it's yeah. I don't see how the game can have the same energy and the same needle to it. To be honest, yeah, it's it's Everton that I'm going to be particularly uh, sort of concerned for if they if they win this derby because they've got a dreadful record against Liverpool. They haven't won against them until since 2010, I think it is, and I think the, the record at Anfield goes back even further. So if, if they do win this derby, those poor fans aren't going to be there to witness it. It's going to be quite strange, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, speaking of fans, Ali, you've been sitting there very patiently. Uh, the La Liga season is back in, in full swing now. Um, we're going to talk about that. My first question is, what do you think of those virtual crowds they've been using in La Liga? I think we have travelled 20 years in time and we are enjoying FIFA 99 crowds on now <laughs> on these La Liga games. That's exactly what I was thinking because, like, I mean, I sort of support it's... broadly support the idea for them doing it, but I think they should have like looked at what it actually looks like and gone, nah, it's probably not good enough, is it? <laughs> okay, we all wanted football to come back. We all want to get back to normal as soon as, I, as we can. But one thing is getting back to normal, and another thing is putting these uh, video animated fans in the crowds that they look a, a little bit uh, seriously. Yeah, they look like... I mean, it doesn't even look like people to me. It looks like sort of bags of rubbish have been like scattered around. Yeah, come on, it's come on, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, your your beloved Real Madrid came back to form with a good three-one uh, win over Ibar on Sunday. How impressed were you with Madrid on the first game back? Uh, the first forty-five minutes were awesome, and I was confident. This, but the second 45 minutes, they told me that uh, this team needs still to get in in a good shape to face the 10 the ten games they, they have to fight for the title, starting tonight's one with Valencia that is going to be maybe one of the, of the toughest ones. Yeah. Um, how do you see that game going against Valencia? Uh, well, the game of, of Valencia is going to be difficult. Even if Valencia, they will not have Gaia, 
uh, Real Madrid has released a medical report that Isco is injured in the hamstrings, so we w we won't have him during some weeks, and that will make the things a bit complicated because Isco was is a key player for Zidane. So let's see how Zidane uh, deals with this, if he gives the opportunity to any of the youngsters in the team, or if he changes the the system, uh, changes for a from a 4-3-1-2 to a 4-3-3 or 4-4-2. Mm. Yeah, one thing that struck me about Real Madrid against Ibar was you uh, you know, you know, were winning 3-0, you conceded that goal, and Zidane immediately brought Gareth Bale, and who else came off the bench? Was it Vinicius in the second half? Like The strength yeah. and depth that Real Madrid have got is so good. And you've got Eden Hazard back now. How important is he, do you think? Mm, it's key. It's key for Zidane, as, as they are going to be key all the 23, pre all the 23 players he got. Uh, is key because uh, Hazard was signed as the star signing of the season. The, because of the injuries, he wasn't able to perform her his best game, and now he's got the chance to lead the, lead Real Madrid to win the title. I mean, do you think he's uh, he started on the right um, with Rodrigo on the left, which is quite unusual for him with Benzema playing down the middle? What what do you think is Real Madrid's best front three when when everyone's fit and available? I think uh, it will be Hazard, of course. Mm -hmm. Hazard, we, we need Hazard. Uh, also, we need Benzema. Uh, Benzema is non-negotiable. He must play. He's he's probably one of the top three strikers in the world. Grande Karim, of course. Grande <laughs> Karim, always. And I will say on the other side, Asensio. Oh, okay, interesting. Asensio, yeah. because he's also getting recovered from the injury. And I hope he can he can play on the next on the next weeks or on the or on the next days after a long a long term injury. Mm. Real Madrid, uh, we mentioned it on the podcast last week, are playing at the Estadio Di Stefano at the moment. Is it weird for you to watch your team play in this tiny little six thousand seat stadium? It's strange, but as, as it's strange, all this comeback of La Liga. It's yeah. um, it's different, but it's 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 a good time to get back to normal. And if Real Madrid can hold the Stefano uh, during, they are doing renovations in, the, in Bernabeu, so it will be, it will be a good, a good, a good choice. Yeah. What exactly are they doing to the Bernabeu? Well, they are going to build a new roof. Uh, they are going to to cover all the stadium. They will also add uh, many 360 uh, scoreboards in all the stadium. And they also they will change the grass. The, uh, they will put a retractile grass, so they can use it not only the on the on the match days, but also for another event such as concerts, uh, con conferences, and all and all this stuff. Mm. The the for example for the for the grass for the new grass, they will do as the same. For example, they did on the uh, uh, Arena Schalke, the stadium of Schalke Nulfia. Oh, okay. So when's that going to be finished? Are they ready for next season? Do you think? Uh, no, it's going to be ready on uh, completely. It will be ready on twenty twenty two. Oh wow, it's a, lo a long term project then. <laughs> so it's it's it, we will still have one year more of works. Yeah. Until until it's completed. Right. Now, after the first leg of the Real Madrid-Man City Champions League tie, you came up to me in the office the next day, shook my hand, and said, "It's over. Don't worry about it." Do you still feel like that? Do you still think it's over for Real Madrid? No, 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 no. Really? <laughs> no, it's it's this feeling about about the defeat. The, after, the day after is we're fucked, but then we start to get get back on track, get back on track, get back on track, 
and until the day, the day of the game that it, it, it arrives. <laughs> yeah. Lewis, they mentioned yesterday the, uh, the, the plans for the Champions League coming back. Can you remember what, what the details were exactly? Uh, it's August, well, isn't it? It's coming back. Maybe not the details specifically. Yeah. 23rd um, of August is the final. Yeah, I know that. I think that. it's like 12 yeah. days before that. Yeah. Yeah, it will be 12 days. Um, the final eight, they're calling it, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, so once the quarterfinals are decided, I think 10th of July should be the draw for the quarterfinals. Mm. And then all eight teams will be heading to Lisbon and across 12 days playing just one legged quarterfinals, semi finals, and a final. Yeah. I think that's class, though. It gives, like, Atalanta or some, a proper chance to win the Champions League. Like, literally, like, you just have to play well for 90 minutes, maybe, mm. and across two games, and you could be in a final. It's going to be the Asterix Champions League, though, isn't it? Oh, Again. yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> oh, yeah, it doesn't count. It doesn't count, but it's still have... pretty cool if, like... The, I think the, the uh... timing is quite poor for Bayern Munich as well, because, obviously, the Bundesliga just came back so much earlier than the other leagues. So I think what well, by the end by the would you say it was the twelfth of August the first game? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So just yeah, after I mean, like so, so the Premier then. League season would have just finished. Um, maybe City you uh, still in the FA Cup, even have an yeah. FA Cup final to play the week after that or something. Um, whereas Bayern Munich, they wouldn't have kicked a ball for a month and they just got to walk into a Champions League quarter final suddenly, which mm-hmm. is a little bit more How- challenging. Having we thought also Atletico Madrid can be the the, the dark horse in this Champions League. Mm. Were they not saying Ali that they should have won it anyway? Was their president not saying? Oh yeah, that's oh, right. the yeah. team who knocks the champions out should just well, be given the trophy. Let let Enrique Cerezo make make his films because maybe for other things he he, he must be <laughs> shut up. I agree with that. Let's get let's give Watford the Premier League title. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nigel oh, Pearson it, it deserves would, one. It would be fair after after three three finals lost, giving them one. <laughs> oh, you're very magnanimous. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it's very hard to lose one final against Bayern Munich in the last in the last minute. Lose another final against Real Madrid in, in again in the last minute, and lose again against Real Madrid on the penalties. Poor Atletico Madrid. Well, speaking yeah. of Real Madrid's rivals, Barcelona were excellent against Mallorca at the weekend, slightly less excellent against Leganas on Tuesday. Um, do you feel Real Madrid's chances of, uh, of, of, of beating Barcelona's title are good this season, Ali? Uh, yeah, I think they, they, are the, they, are, they have good chances to beat, uh, to beat Barca because, for example, tonight Barca plays, tomorrow, sorry, Barca plays versus Sevilla and it's going to be a tough game if, we've, if we see a Sevilla that has become stronger than, uh, from the from the stopping of La Liga. Uh, the Sevilla defeated Betis in the Grand Derby uh, last week, mm. uh, even, but they also had a problem. They struggled against Levante at the begin at the beginning of the of the week. So let's see what version of Sevilla we have. If the good one, the, the one that fights, the one that can compete during ninety minutes, or the one that uh, still uh, has a lot of fear and they they screw it up on the last minutes. Mm. Well, Messi's been playing really well for Barca. Uh, Martin Brathwaite scored his first goal. Anzu Fati scored on Tuesday. They've got Luis Suarez back from injury. But Antoine Griezmann still looks a bit lost at Barcelona to me. Do you think it's ever going to work out for him there or is he going to leave in the next transfer window? Uh, that's a question Bartomeu should answer because uh, if, we, if we listen to all the reports that they were thinking to sell Anzu Fati for 100 million euro, it's a... Uh, 
it's a, it will be a weird operation, uh, selling one of the biggest talents of La Masia. But let's see how how uh, uh, Bartomeu reacts to this transfer window, and not forget. Let's not forget that Barça is on a temporary file of em employment. So, uh, they, many of their employees they are uh, working on reduced on reduced time. Mm. I'll try and get Bartomeu on the podcast next week and see what he's doing. <laughs> where, where do you think it's gone wrong for Griezmann at Barca this season? Why is he not performing? Maybe it will be many things. Uh, after maybe after one year that he said no, but the following year he said yes. Maybe the fans didn't like the idea. Also, uh, being the not not the star as he was in Atlético de Madrid is a new role that uh, Griezmann should admit on Barcelona. Mm. So it's it it has been a difficult year for Griezmann and, and on Barcelona, and maybe that's why a transfer uh, would would be seen with good eyes. I mean, you mentioned Atletico Madrid earlier; they've had a pretty disappointing season so far, but they won five nil away at Osasuna last last night. Where did that come from? Uh, Joao Felix finally is, is back on track. Joao Felix is showing why he's worth the 120 million Atletico Madrid paid for him. And also, one of the biggest uh, surprises of this comeback, Marcos Llorente. Since the game in Anfield, the midfielder from Atletico Madrid has improved a lot mm. and has become a key part for Diego Simeone. Nice. And Simeone, there's, there's been a bit of talk about him potentially leaving in the summer um, after you know they were, they were having a, a bit of a rough time of it earlier in the season. Do you think he will stay now? Yeah, yeah, of course he will stay. The, yeah. uh, uh, the one that is not staying is her, his assistant, Germán uh, Burgos. He's going to, to leave the club, but uh, Diego Simeone w will stay on Atlético de Madrid. In fact, he's preparing his uh, his staff for the next season. They have confirmed Nelson Vivas as the second as the assistant trainer, and Gabi, the former captain of Atlético Madrid, uh, can be part of the Diego Simeone staff in the next season. Nice. Nelson Vivas, Arsenal legend, isn't he, Lewis? Um, yeah, in a sense. <laughs> Nelson Vivas cost, cost Arsenal a league title uh, at Leeds once. Um, and more recently was a manager, I think, in, back in his, in his native Argentina and went viral because he was trying oh, to yeah. fight fans topless. That's right, yeah, I yeah. Think, um, and was sent off. Uh, so j just the kind of man that will fit in in Diego Simeone's back yeah. staff. So. Yeah, looking forward to seeing him in La Liga next season then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Podrick, you were all over the Coppa Italia final on Wednesday. Uh, Napoli beat Juventus on penalties in that one. Uh, I've got a two-part question from Andre Francesco on Twitter for you. Uh, first, he asked, can Juventus bounce back after two poor displays and finish the season on the high with perhaps a double? Oh, what, Champions League? Uh, yeah. That's part of the double. Yeah. Uh, uh, honestly, the way they're playing at the moment, you would fancy Leon to like finish the job uh, in the Champions League. Obviously, they have the the lead from the first leg. Juve were shocking in that game. They were. You know, I didn't think they were as bad as some Juve fans made out in the Coppa final. I mean, they weren't great, but mm. Napoli did play quite well. Um, no Champions League. Honestly, I, I think Leon will, will finish the job there, but I would still make them favourites to win. Serie A, like there's I think it's twelve games still to go, and obviously Lazio are neck and neck with them at the moment. Mm. But I think that break might just have killed. Like Lazio were playing so well, they were like the form team, and maybe one of like the form teams in Europe. Um, that break might have hurt their momentum a bit. And Juve have just been there and done it. Like 
the last two years, like year in, year out, a bit like Bayern in Germany, like Dortmund have came close, stuff like that, like Lazio are obviously doing the same, but I think when it comes right down the stretch, Juve just know how to finish the job, and obviously they play Lazio like in Turin, I mean I'm not sure how big like home advantage really is anymore, but like big games like that, you would fancy them, like they'll have that one circled and they'll know, right, that's the one, whatever else happens before or mm. after, we beat Lazio and that might be enough to to win the league again. Well, the second part of Andre's question is, can Napoli keep their confidence to grab a Champions League place and even get past Barcelona in the Champions League? Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Um, they were they played like really well last night. I think that Barcelona game will be quite fifty fifty. Like Barcelona, like you said, they played well against Mallorca, not so good against Leganes, but then they made quite a few changes. But like Napoli's Napoli's strongest eleven which I think, especially after the cup final, should have Meret in it and not Ospina in goal. Mm-hmm. I think Lewis knows another Arsenal legend as well. Dustin Dave, isn't it? He's been known as that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think whatever Dustin in Italian is, I'm not sure if it's <laughs> caught on yet. But I think, yeah, if Meret can kind of like nail down the starting spot now, they'll be, they'll be quite, quite a formidable team to come up against mm. down the stretch and obviously they've got another coach who you could imagine taking his top off and squaring up with fans if if things ever got <laughs> out of hand in Gattuso, not another one not to be messed with so I mean whatever he lacks maybe like tactically like you've seen it at Milan but he he really can get the best out of teams especially in like the big occasions I think mm. I like I've I think he's quite underrated to be honest as a coach so that Barcelona game, they've they've really got their hands full in that one, and it would be really good to see to see Napoli have a bit of a run in the competition. Because, like we said earlier, I mean, all you need to do after you, if they win that one, one more game, you're in a semi final. I mean, anything can happen. I love the how there was no social distancing whatsoever with the celebration after they won the penalty shootout. So we were all just all hugging each other like normal. Let alone like I'm not sure if you saw the scenes like in Napoli, like the city itself as well, but. Or whatever about the social distancing among the players, my God, there was none of it in the city. I mean, <laughs> you beat Juve in a cup final, it doesn't happen for them all that often. So, yeah, I guess they're allowed to enjoy it. Well, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't great in the semi-final against Milan. Was he any better against Napoli? Uh, not really, no. no. Uh, he came in for quite a bit of stick again. He he was unlucky, he had a good chance quite early on. I mean, I think he did, did everything right. Um Callihan gave it away and the ball kind of broke his way to the edge of the box but the keeper just made made a really good save but he kind of faded out of it after that and the whole second half you were kind of waiting for him more than anyone else to kind of stand up and take the game by the scruff of the neck and it, it just didn't happen at all and then obviously it goes to penalties and he wants to be the hero like mm. I just don't get the look like Juve pretty much lost that shootout because like they'd missed their first two penalties. I mean, Dybala takes the first one and he's quite a good penalty take, whatever. Like, misses can happen. Ronaldo even missed one in the semi-final, obviously, even though it was a well-taken penalty. But I don't really get the logic in one of your best players and a good penalty taker waiting to be the hero by taking the fifth one to win it for you if you don't get to a fifth one and you've lost the penalty shootout by then. You think if it had gone to sudden death, would he have took the gloves off Buffon so he was the hero no matter what happened? <laughs> Ali, you watched uh, Ronaldo play for Real Madrid for many successful years. What, what's your take on him these days? I imagine you've got some strong opinions. 
Uh, Ronaldo decides to leave Real Madrid and it's okay. I will remember him as the one of many big, very nice moments in Real Madrid, but now it's, an, it's another team. So if he's happy, Real Madrid is happy too. Mm. So Messi or Ronaldo for you? Mm, next question, please. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Karim Benzema, sorry. <laughs> uh, Lewis, um, speaking of uh, tiresome subjects, Bayern Munich sealed their eighth Bundesliga title with a win over Werder Bremen on Tuesday. The whole thing just feels a bit underwhelming at this point, doesn't it? I mean, I watched the game with a few Bayern fans and the scenes at heart at full time were pretty much like people were almost falling asleep. It was that um, crazy in that, in that, uh, that room. <laughs> <laughs> Do you agree that a really interesting league is letting itself down a bit by having one team that's so dominant? Yeah, I, th- I, I mean, I firstly do think the Bundesliga is a really interesting league. Um, I'm, I think it's a bit sad that the, the one time the whole world has had a look at the Bundesliga is when this whole situation's gone on. There's been no fans in stadiums and that kind of thing. Um, and the league is still interesting. The, the Champions League, a bit like the Premier League right now, the, the going into just two match days left. The relegation battle and the Champions League races are really exciting. But at the end of the day, people watch competitions to see who wins them. Mm. And if you know who's going to win the competition before it even begins, how much point is there? Like, what, is it even a competition anymore? To be honest, yeah. um, when the when the odds are stacked so firmly in the favour of one of the teams it's not really a competition anymore um yeah it's tiresome is the word you already used it um tiresome predictable and just quite sad for Mm. German football I think well did you ever I mean there was a point during the season when Bayern was struggling around sort of uh, October November time they got rid of Nico Kovac around that time as well did you ever allow yourself to believe that this year might be different uh no (laughs) Uh, I did. La- I did last season, um, and it went to the final day last season. Um, but last season, I thought Bayern Munich were poor. Um, th- it kind of illustrates the problem, though. Uh, Bayern Munich can be really poor, and another team still has to be pretty much perfect to to take the title off mm. them. Pe- people have been Bayern fans, German football pundits. I've seen all over Twitter the last couple of days complaining about people moaning about the dominance. Um, hmm. and, and basically saying, well, it's Dortmund's fault if Dortmund can't win the league. Uh, Dortmund, with nothing to play for, lost to Mainz last night. But hmm. were on course for their best second half of the season ever. Um, the, the most points the club has ever picked up in their history. I think Bayern's eight titles. So when, when Dortmund were the last team to win the league in 2012, uh, they did it with 81 points. The Bundesliga obviously has four games fewer than a Premier League season. Uh, and 81 points was then the Bundesliga record. And in the eight titles that Bayern have won since, they've beaten that in six of those years. Hmm. It's, it's a whole new landscape. I mean, how do you and, stop Bayern? Is it, is it a case of now of waiting for them to bugger off to a European Super League for the league to be competitive yeah, again? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I, I don't see anything beyond that because I think if you look at the back to the beginning of this run now, the squad was built on Lahm, on Schweinsteiger, on a peak Jerome Boateng, Robben and Ribéry on the wings. 
And I think this last 18 months, there was maybe a bit of hope that transitioning from that generation to a, to a new team, basically, there might be an opening for someone. There obviously was last season. Mm. Um, and then by November this year, Bayern decided it wasn't good enough, sacked the coach, appointed the right one, and now they're, they're unstoppable. I don't see how anyone can blame Leipzig or Dortmund for not being consistent enough when the team that wins the league has won 17 out of their last 18 games. Mm. It's like, at some point, you just have to say nobody can stop that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it is a, it's a big shame. And like I say, now that they've sort of transitioned into that new generation, that new team, Kimmich and Goretzka's been playing well. Leroy Sané's probably going to come in. Uh, Nicolas Zula's missed the entire season. They, they, were, they were at Bremen the other day with record 80 million euro centre-back record signing. Lucas Hernandez sat on the bench mm. and he's barely played all season. Um, and they're still that much better than every other team in Germany. Yep, I mean, Dortmund are the second best team in Germany just about, I think, aren't they? What have you made of their season overall? Do you think Lucien Favre has sort of taken them as far as he can and will he, will he be off in the summer? I think, I think it's a really difficult question because I think we've seen it with other clubs as well. Uh, we saw it, Klopp kind of transitioned in that first couple of years at Liverpool from being really good against the big teams to then coming up with a way to beat the beat the smaller teams if you like the the teams you'd expect them to beat um i don't think most coaches are capable of doing that i I think lucien favre is really great at getting dortmund to win the games they should win and not good enough if dortmund are going to win the bundesliga or the champions league he's not good enough in the big games Uh, coming up with a plan to stop a really really dangerous opponent um, you see it in the Champions League last year against Tottenham and this year against PSG. Uh, you see it again in the games against Bayern Munich this season, away last season. In those games, Dortmund just sort of look a bit timid and get overrun. But then if you go and appoint whoever you would appoint, um, I don't think Favre will be at Dortmund next season. Um, but whoever is there, I think one of those things has to give a little bit. Dortmund aren't Bayern. Dortmund don't have the best players in the league. And if they're going to appoint a coach that gets the maximum out of the big games and can really bring Bayern down to their level, how Klopp used to say it, mm. um, and then compete with Bayern in those one-on-one fixtures, then it's not probably going to be a style of play that can help them beat Dusseldorf and Mainz and Paderborn and Bremen when they come up against those teams. So they might pick up more, te- more points against Bayern with a different coach, but then they'd probably drop more points that you'd expect them to pick up along the way. Um, so it just it, it just looks at Bayern's players and are just so much better because they're so, the club is so much richer than anywhere else that I just don't think it's possible mm. pretty much for who, anyone to, to compete Who would you fancy to be Dortmund's next coach if you could pick there's been talk of Jesse Marsh from um, Yeah that's Salzburg. an interesting one yeah. after, after how well they did in the, the Champions League group stages this mm. year um, they were quite unlucky I think not to get out of the group with Napoli and Liverpool so that would he's been mentioned that would be one I, I can't see like Marco Rosa leaving Gladbach after just one season they're probably going to get in the Champions League mm. um, I'm, I think everybody would be quite excited to see Mauricio Pochettino at Dortmund <laughs> oh, yeah. but I don't think there's any way Dortmund appoint a coach that doesn't speak German so we can Nico probably Kovac speaks German Lewis yeah <laughs> so he does so do I <laughs> I gave you I the job the, I shouldn't be the Dortmund coach either <laughs> Maybe a Spanish option for, for Dortmund? Spanish option, like who? He's advertising himself. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, a good, a good Spanish coach, for example, 
Valverde, for example. I think I think the the problems that Valverde had at, at Barcelona with the style is exactly the problems that Dortmund fans would have as well. And I think it's the problem that fans have with with Lucien Favre being in charge is that it's not this blustering, all action, pressing football that Klopp sort of made the identity of the club. And it's something that Favre, well, it's just not the way that Favre's teams play. Um, and I think that that's, that's the main problem, really. If you look at the record, if you look at the points they've picked up, the, the wins, Dortmund have been perfectly fine over the last two years. Um, mm. I think any questions about Lucien Favre are much more about style and if he fits as a Dortmund coach and the way that people picture Dortmund playing more than whether or not the results are good enough. Mm. Uh, we've had an email from Hrishi C. He asks, the race for Europa League in the Bundesliga was coming down to the wire. Who do you think will get the two spots out of Wolfsburg, Hoffenheim, Freiburg, or maybe Frankfurt? Oh. Wolfsburg. Uh, Wolfsburg are probably going to get it. They're mm. probably the most solid team of the bunch. But I don't know the, the remaining fixtures for any of those teams. It'll probably come down to that. I know Freiburg played Bayern Munich at the weekend. Um, yeah, Let's say Frankfurt. Yeah, I'd love to see Freiburg in there because I really like Christian Strike, their coach. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. they're a, a really great club and they play attractive football too. Um, Hoffenheim have just sacked their coach at a very well sacked mutual termination with four games to go, which is a bit weird. Mm. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see. So they won they won yesterday or on no yeah on Wednesday night. Yeah. Um, but whether or not it's enough, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, we were talking to Joel last week about Liverpool winning the title there and how it's going to feel with no one there to see it. Um, you're a Celtic fan. They were recently crowned champions without even playing. How did, how did that feel? What, what what were you doing when you heard that? that class, mate. Class. <laughs> was it, was it really? Working. I was working at the time. So, <laughs> uh, but had a had a good celebration that night. <laughs> um, didn't get much work done for the rest of the day, I don't think. <laughs> I can't remember what was the gap between Celtic and Rangers when the season was called off. Um, I'm pretty sure it was 13 points. Oh, okay. So, and, but Rangers had a game in hand, as mm. well, because you know, game in hands guarantee points on yes, the board. That's yes. that's how it works. <laughs> uh, but there were two more derbies to play as well. So, I mean, I think I th- I would have been stunned if uh, <laughs> we hadn't finished the job. Yeah. So. Justice was done, Dan, as far as I'm well, concerned. Yeah. Justice was done. I mean, not everyone would agree. Rangers fans, probably not. I don't think every club in Scotland was too happy about it, were there? What's been going on there behind the scenes? Um, yeah, basically, earlier this week, or on Wednesday, Hearts, who they were relegated because because of the league's finishing early, um, they've taken their relegation pretty much to like the high court now, and they're taking like legal action against the league for for relegating them um i mean they're they're almost a bit like it was at the top of the table like they've been so bad all season like shocking they were pretty much i think going to go down anyway i mean you can't i mean they suppose they deserved their chance to to try and stay up but they've been so bad all season they didn't look like they actually were going to stay up Mm. and yet they they're on about the season's supposed to start again in august so pretty much as the premier league season ends the scottish season was was going to resume, but that's maybe in doubt now. The start because of how long, like Hearts might drag this this thing on for. Like the teams in the leagues below, I think like Partick Thistle and Stranraer have basically accepted the decision and said they're not happy about it. Obviously, but they've accepted the decision. But I think the the top league it might 
it may drag on for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Is that right? The Rangers could be playing in this season's Europa League when next season has started. I read something about that yesterday as a possibility. Oh well, yeah, they still have to go to Leverkusen, the second That's leg right, yeah. of their of this season's one. So yeah, I mean yeah, yeah, it would the uh, possibility of that actually <laughs> happening, which would be which would be quite strange. So that's uh, nine titles in a row for Celtic now. We spoke when you were on the podcast a while ago about how 10 in a row has been the, the aim for a while. What will be the aim after you've got 10? 20? 30? <laughs> 16, mate. Yeah. 16 is the one. Why because, is that? Because the world record for... Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a team from Vanuatu called Tafia FC have won 15 titles in a row in the Port Villa Professional League. The so big one. forget... I like, how, I like how 15's the world record, but they don't want that. They want to beat the world record. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I mean that's, that's a nonsense league, a Mickey Mouse league, if you will. <laughs> the Scottish league is, you know, world-renowned. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like that, that is a weird thing that some people have been a bit... Um, like, ah, oh, what once... What are F Celtic do 10? Like, people kind of lose interest then, and as they expect, like, fans will. Uh, you've kept interest for someone to win 10 in a row. Yeah, I mean, you're going to stick gonna it out for 11, by the 11th. Yeah, I mean, what's what's the difference? Yeah. Are you over you Brendan Rodgers leaving now, Podrick? Uh, who? Exactly. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, Celtic, a guy who's had a great season for Celtic is Odson Edward this this season. Do you think he's going to stay this summer, or if not, where where might he be heading? I think he will. I think I think they've pretty much got like an agreement. I think he might even like sign a new contract to to get him to get guarantee the club more money like next summer if he go. But I think he will stay. I think that is quite a big lure for him. Mm. Um, like to do ten in a row and then like leave everyone's best wishes because you've kind of seen the last few years like rightly or wrongly there's kind of like big names have left like Musa Dembele, Kieran Tierney and stuff and they've kind of it's not been handled really well when they've kind of left and people you know haven't haven't taken it too well so I think he's probably seen all that and knows like he stays stays one more year he might get a statue built outside the stadium if he <laughs> if he fires them. Ten in a row. <laughs> Has Scott Brown shaved his head again yet? Not yet. No, mm. and it's it's definitely he's he's much less intimidating. Uh, uh, he has said though. I think he's done plenty of interviews that said you will never catch him out on the on the pitch like that. Like really? Be, yeah, I think he'll he'll definitely be shaving it again before. I think he looks way better. Same with Ashley Young. Have you seen this? He's sort of grown yeah. yeah. Like, I didn't know baldness was a choice from him all this time. I think he looks way better. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can do so by emailing us on podcast at onefootball.com or you can tweet us at onefootball. We've had a question via email from Mike Ryan this week. He wants to know, who was your first football hero? So uh, we'll go around the table and, and ask. Ali, you can start. Who was your first football hero? Fernando Hierro. Fernando Hierro. Very good. Bolton Wanderers legend, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you, Lewis? Uh, Dennis Burkamp. Of course. Podrick? Yeah, Pierre Van Hoydonk. Pierre Van Hoydonk. Why? Was he at Celtic? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he, he was, wasn't he? Yeah. Famously, he was. Uh, he was offered a new deal at Celtic. I can't remember how much money it was. It, it's like maybe it was two thousand or five thousand or mm. something a week. And uh, he famously said, "That's all right if you're homeless, but I'm Pierre Van Hoydonk." <laughs> <laughs> he quickly did, lost hero status among yeah, me. I think sound, after that, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Are you going for that? Mine was Gary Flitcroft. Do you remember him? Yeah, I can't, I can't really. I mean, he yeah. played for City briefly when I was a kid, 
and left quite briefly. And I remember being really upset about it, but I think he was just sort of City's number 10 at the time and I just thought it was cool. But yeah. He seemed like one of them, you always used to get him in like the Premier League sticker packs. Yes. He was like, no matter who you got, he was always a Gary Flickcroft in there. <laughs> I've got a picture of him somewhere, me and him at a, like, a sort of supporters club meeting, me wearing a Power Rangers jumper, so... I, I expect he probably has fond memories of that day too. <laughs> he's, he's probably got the picture at home too. I'm sure he yeah. has, yeah. So on the back of that question, I want to know who your current football hero is. Ali, you go again. Mm, you know, I, I will change my answer, but not to repeat the player, not Karim Benzema, but maybe you, my current football hero, it will be, a, it's difficult not to mention any other player. Yeah. Maybe Tony Cross, I'll no? say. I thought you were going to say Sergio Ramos. No, no, no. I prefer Tony Cross. Tony Cross. I mean, that was an amazing goal he scored at the weekend, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Lewis? Um, they all leave me. I don't <laughs> have one anymore. I thought you yeah. liked uh, Hector Bellerin. I thought he was oh, I think Hector Bellerin. Hector Bellerin's more than a football hero, isn't he? He's yeah. A, he's a, a role model for humanity. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I don't really have a player that I like strongly relate to at this moment in time, I don't think, who plays for, for City or anyone like... Know, the like only a, one, Dan. Honestly, I think like after everything that's happened this week, I'm like Team Marcus Rashford. He's like my yeah. new, uh, he's number one now. I'm, I'm the same. It's hard, harder these days. I'm forbidden from him being my uh, football hero by the fact really, he plays for Man United, though. You can't bring it upon hey, yourself. I think he's done a, he's done brilliantly. I'm very proud yeah. of him. The whole city is proud of him. But you know, as soon as, well, well, when we next play United and we're in a stadium together, I'd like to think he'll get a big clap before the game and that's it. And then he goes back to being our, our enemy on the pitch. Yeah. So, yeah. And your, your current po- football hero, Padre? I don't know. Maybe, maybe him. Uh, <laughs> Scott Brown. Scott Brown. Why yes. not? <laughs> and who's your favourite player that has never played for the club that you support and why? Ali. Uh, the player I would like that would have played my team. Yeah, who hasn't played for Real Madrid. Oof. Oliver Kahn. Oh, yeah? Why is that? Yeah, really. Uh, I, it's a player, I hate him when I was a kid. <laughs> but even even after, I recognize how big he was. And I would like I would like him to have seen wearing Real Madrid t-shirt. <laughs> I just can't uh, look past him doing those weird grins on that uh, like betting company advert that he does yeah. over here on, on uh, German TV. <laughs> and you, Lewis? Uh I don't know, like, biggest hero that's never played for my club, but a player that I've always loved watching is Marcelo. Oh, yeah. Well, mine's a, a former Real Madrid player as well, actually. Xabi Alonso, I would go for. Um, obviously played for Liverpool as well and, and various other teams, Bayern Munich. I just like him because, like, not only is he a really good player, he seems like a pretty smart guy, got a good taste in music, quite well-read, I think. So I've always had a soft spot for Xabi. And there was some talk about him being Pep Guardiola's assistant at City. Obviously, that's not going to happen now. I was quite disappointed about that. And Patrick, your favourite player who's never played for the club you support? Uh, Francesco Totti, like hands down, yeah. not even close. <laughs> Good the <choice>. man. <laughs> Certainly is. Well, on that note, we'll have to leave it for this week. Thank you to Lewis, Podrick and Alejandro for joining me. Thank you to everyone for listening at home and we'll see you again next week. Bye.